Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Fonder. Thanks for tuning in to Season 8, Episode 21, Franchise Episode, All-Time, Number 207. Big thanks goes up to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire, local musicians. Make sure you check them out. Tom Calhoun, big thanks to him, paguytom.com. Check him out if you uh, want uh, somebody to MC something or uh, some good books on tape or if you want to record a book on tape. Great stuff over there at paguytom.com. Also, make sure you check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider your, buying yourself a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can listen at letsgobluesradio.com. If you are on Apple Podcasts or any podcast outlet that asks for a rating, please give us that five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. So thank you very much. To those of you who uh, will be doing that in the near future. Well, folks, uh, let's get right into it, right? We're going to keep the party going. Remember, you can contribute to Keep the Party Going by emailing us at radio at letsgoblues.com. Let us know how the championship has affected your life, what it's meant for you, your family, your friends, whatever. Um, We love hearing from you guys, so let's roll in a couple more as the summer progresses. So, again, we don't have an email to read, so we're going to do something a little different this time, and I'm going to tie it into a little bit of the news that came out this uh, weekend in St. Louis and Tampa Bay, I guess. Pat Maroon is no longer the hometown hero baby. Uh, well, he is. He still is. But uh, he always will be. But he is uh, signed with Tampa Bay Lightning. If you've not heard that, uh, one-year deal, kind of a prove-it deal for him. So uh, good luck to Pat Maroon. Sad to see him go, but uh, I think at the end of the day, um, I know a lot of people have agreed that listen to this show as we've talked about it. Barbashev is the more important one to lock up. Uh, you got some young guys like Sammy Blay, Jordan Cairo, uh, even Mackenzie McEckern who are trying to push their way into the lineup, and they deserve it. And uh, getting that space away from Maroon is uh, only going to help the young guys and hopefully uh, be better success here for uh, uh, some of the younger guys jumping into the lineup. But either way, Pat Maroon's still the hometown hero, baby. And, uh, you know, we uh, we love him here in St. Louis, and we always will. And, uh, you know, maybe one day he'll be back in the front office or something here in St. Louis, but... uh, do want to uh, give him a proper send-off, so folks, here it is. Uh, let's play the clip from round two, game seven, the double overtime winner. Here is uh, Chris Kerber with the call. 
Blues have the puck. Thomas off the wall. Shoots, and it's in. It's they it. score! It's the St. Louisan. Pat Maroon. Bring out the Zamboni. Pat Maroon just put the city on his shoulders, and he sends him to the conference finals. A 2-1 win in double overtime over the Dallas Stars. Pat Maroon on May 7th. Number seven, and it's the towel man, Pat Maroon, the hero. He grew up in Oakville, and this is what he's dreamt about ever since playing floor hockey in his garage. Oh, terrific face-off win by Tyler Bozak. Robert Thomas takes it, drags it, makes it incredible, incredible. One-on-one move, throws it at the net. Ben Bishop gets a piece. It's sitting right behind him, and the big rig cleans up the trash, and he sends the Blues off to the Western Conference Final. Obviously, that was a big moment in Blues history, one of the biggest goals ever scored, and it's pretty cool that it was a hometown guy that did that. So again, congrats to Pat Maroon on uh, uh, locking up a deal here in the NHL. It's a shame it wasn't in St. Louis, but only wish him good things there in Tampa. Uh, something else I wanted to mention in this segment, this is going to sound weird, and, and I think a lot of people might agree with me who's kind of went through what I went through on Sunday. So I went to the Maryville University Hockey Center uh, grand opening out there in Chesterfield, the new rink that popped up over there. There's uh, two sheets of ice there. It's a really nice facility for those of you who might be looking to join a new league or if you want to go skate or you want to see just some good ice. Uh, it's, it's a great-looking facility. Very excited for that. Um, it's funny because I went with my mom and my son. And my son was uh, in one of the main rinks, the, the, the main rink they were doing the presentation in. And he was climbing up the bleachers, and he, you know, kind of walked to the back and was kind of going back and forth. There's like a glass section right behind it where people can come from downstairs and come all the way up and, and watch from there. So he was kind of walking in, like, where the glass is and, and the, the last row of bleachers. And it was so funny. So before I, I finish the story, I don't get starstruck. Part of it was working in the media. Part of it's just, you know, I figure they're people, just like me and you. So I've only been starstruck very few times. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, when I saw him the first time in person, I think I've told the story on the show, uh, literally just stopped in my tracks. Uh, saw him in the bowels of, well, at the time it was the Scott Trade Center. And uh, I just, I, I couldn't even say a word. I couldn't utter anything. And he just gave me a funny look. And then um, uh, first time I ever met Al McKinnis. Um, like in a media setting. Um, I met him a couple times when he was a player. and uh, But I don't know, it was just kind of a guy that I grew up idolizing, just seeing him at a Blues game in a suit, you know, doing his job. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Al McKinnis. I mean, it's only happened twice, literally. I think those are the only times I've ever really been starstruck. I got starstruck again on Sunday. And it was so odd. I saw Layla. She was behind the glass as, as my son was going back and forth. And I grab my mom's arm, and I go, oh, my God, it's Layla. And my mom turned around. She got just as excited as I was. And, I mean, it it's so weird to be, like, that excited about seeing a kid, you know? Like, it just felt so strange to do that. So uh, I just wanted to share that story again. I know I, I've actually talked to other people who have seen her out in public, and they've kind of had the, a similar thing where it's like, why am I so just thrilled to see her? But I think we all know why. I mean, she's an inspiration for so many people. Um, she has cemented herself 
into blues lore forever. Couldn't happen to a nicer kid. I've, I've only heard great things about her personality, the, the person she's growing into being, and um, it was really cool seeing her. I mean, it was so odd. It just, I mean, I was literally like, oh my God, I want to go talk to her. Like, it just felt so odd to say that about a, a kid, but uh, what do you do? I made my son, I made him wave at her, and and so she waved back, and it was kind of cute, but uh, no, it was awesome. So uh, again, uh, seeing Layla today, weird but cool. Well, let's get into the conversation of the Florida Panthers. I want to introduce my guest, uh, Todd Little, from the Litterbox Cats. That's litterboxcats.com. It's a uh, Panthers blog. Uh, this was recorded on April 16th, so that was just before Game 4 of the first round. So they were uh, they were just down, or they were up 2-1 to one on the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets had just won Game 3, so this was right before Game 4. That we did this. So uh, again, we, we talk a little bit pre-Blues winning the Stanley Cup, so keep that in mind as you listen. And today we are talking Florida Panthers, and uh, yeah, a lot of history here between the Blues and Panthers. Not really. Uh, you look at the all-time record, the Blues do hold the record there, mostly because uh, since the Panthers' inception, they've had some pretty rough years, and a lot of those were when the Blues had their 25-year playoff streak. Uh, the Blues are 23-11-3-0, and oh, so that is three ties and zero overtime losses. Uh, the first meeting was uh, October 7th, 1993, uh, St. Louis. Uh, it got the 3-2 win. We'll get to my guest in a minute, but he provided this little information. Kind of nice to see. Uh, it was the second Panthers game ever, and it was the first loss in Panthers history. So nice little footnote there that the uh, the Blues will forever be immortalized in the Florida Panthers history. Uh, my guest today is Mr. Todd Little from the Litterbox Cats. That's litterboxcats.com. And uh, Todd, you've uh, been been with Litterbox Cats since 2011. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, Jeff. Good to be here. I'm sure you remember that uh, October 7th, 1993 game very well. <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> I more so remember the first one. They, they tied the Blackhawks in the first game. And then uh, they lost to the Blues in the second game. So that was their first ever loss. And I, I, I kind of did remember that, that the, that was their first loss. But I was actually pretty surprised when I went back and looked up some of this stuff to see that, the, that they've only played the Blues 37 times in 25 years. So, you know, the schedule back then was a little bit different. But that seems like a, a pretty small amount for 25 seasons. But it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I remember when there was uh, talks of realignment when uh, the Winnipeg Jets were, were actually playing in your division after Atlanta had moved. Um, there was talks that there could be like a Southern division that would feature the Florida teams, St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas. And I thought, man, that would be really interesting if the Blues all of a sudden saw the Panthers and Lightning twice a year and that jumped up to four or five times a year. But obviously that did not happen. Yeah, that would have been interesting, though. I think I think in the early days of the Lightning, I think they were, weren't they in the same division as the Blues when they first started out? I think they okay. they weren't in the same division, but I know they, they played them more often than we see yeah. them now. I feel like they were in a weird division when they first started, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, well, that happens a lot. I mean, uh, they're talking, uh, there's potential... Well, they actually they they announced it recently that they figured out the Seattle thing, but I know that uh, 
there was talks before that, you know, if this team moves to, uh, you know, Florida, not Florida, but, but any team moves to Quebec, you're going to have to move this team here and this team there. Again, we saw it with Winnipeg when they came back in the league. They're in the Southeast division, which is the exact opposite division they should be in. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if you were correct. Yeah. Uh, so uh, kind of, and I, I want to kind of get into this a little bit with you. So you, uh, we, we were going to talk here about the Panthers and the expansion draft and who they took from the Blues, but I wanted to ask you before that. So that, uh, that happens in 1993, uh, the expansion draft, and, and obviously, you know, the, the, the lead-in for about a year before that. Um, you live in Florida. What, uh, what, uh, what, what was your allegiance like for hockey? Did you like hockey before the Panthers came into existence? Who was your team? And if not, you know, what got you into the sport? All right. Well, I, I, I was born here. I was born in Miami and I lived, I've lived here like 99% of my life, but there was a couple years in the seventies where I lived in Birmingham when the WHA was around. So that's how I got into hockey. I was originally a Birmingham Bulls fan. And then right around the time of the merger, we moved back to South Florida. So for me, it was picking one of the four WHA teams to root for, and I wisely chose the Oilers out of the four um, four teams. So I was doing good as a hockey fan for a really long time, and uh, then once uh, you know, once the Panthers came around, you know, I, I switched my allegiance to the Panthers. You know, them being the local team, and the, that first year that the Lightning came into existence, they were they were around one year prior to the Panthers. So I, I went up to Tampa and watched some games. Saw the first, uh, you know, a few preseason games and saw some regular season games. And then next year we got the Panthers. So, you know, ever since then, I've been a Panther fan. So, again, uh, the the expansion draft hits. Uh, we'll talk a little bit here about Scott Mellonby in a bit, but he was somebody who was uh, taken from the Oilers, too, correct? That's right. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was an Oiler. So, yeah, we will talk about him in a bit, but I want to talk about Dave Lowry, a guy who um, – we had the nickname here in St. Louis, and I think it was more to do with his name than his play. Uh, we kind of called him Dave Lousy. Um, <laughs> and again, I don't think anybody really thought Mr. Lowry was a bad hockey player. It just It's just an unfortunate last name. But right. you, uh, you yeah. made a note to me as we were kind of getting ready for this that he was a, a, a really important cog in the early success for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, he, he had some good seasons, you know, down here. He, he uh, you know, looking back at it now, I mean, he put up he put up double digit goals in the in the four seasons that he played here. And in the first season, the inaugural Panther season, I'm sorry, my phone's ringing. He put up 37 points. So that's pretty good. I mean, he was, you know, that 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 team, that first few years of the team, you know, that was very much like just a lunch pail team, you know grind it out, win two to one, three, two with Van Beesbrook in the net. And uh, he was an important part of that. And he had a, he had a really good um, playoffs that year that they went to the finals against Colorado. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about that before we really get into to Mr. Mellonby, who's someone who will probably spend some time on here, but uh, 95, 96, um, that's the, that year they go to the Stanley cup final against the Colorado avalanche. You look at that, um, I mean, obviously Van Beesbrook and net Mellonby is the captain, you know, obviously the, the big rat story we all know about with the rat trick for, for Mellonby. Um, what was that like for you as a fan? I mean that you're what three years into existence and all of a sudden 
your team is is already in the Stanley Cup final playing, I mean, just a Hall of Fame list of players in Colorado. Um, what was the city like at that time with with how uh, the Panthers just kind of jumped in to the Stanley Cup final there? Uh, it was great. I mean, it, you know, like the, fir- the first few years of the team were great, a total like change from what it is now or the, the team's kind of become an afterthought because – you know, they just haven't made the playoffs that much. And, you know, I think five, you know, five times in 25 years isn't really, isn't really going to cut it in a lot of markets. So, you know, things have, you know, gotten pretty bad down here. And especially during certain spells where they just went, you know, there was a one spell where they went 10 years without making, you know, the playoffs, but the first few years were great. You know, the first year, the second year, you know, they were in contention for a playoff spot pretty much all season. And then, and then that particular team just kind of blossomed in the third year. You know, they added, um, you know, they added Niedermeyer and, you know, they had a really solid team. But, you know, you, you could tell most of that season they were going to make the playoffs, but they kind of petered out towards the end of the season. So you're thinking, all right, you know, third year playoff appearance. That's that's a that's a lot to be happy with, kind of unheard of with, you know, you know, for an expansion team to make it to the playoffs that quick. And then, um you know, then they got to the playoffs and they just turned it on. They beat Boston in the first round. So you're like, great. All right. We've got, our, you know, got our first playoff series win. You know, everybody seemed like they would be happy with that. And then, you know, they beat Philadelphia. Nobody expected that. And, you know, fewer people expected them to beat Pittsburgh. And they did that, you know, so it was pretty amazing, you know, and, and that and so far that's, you know, been the been the peak of the franchise down here. You know, there was a couple exciting years when they had Burray and he scored, you know, he scored a bunch of goals, but but no, nothing's compared to that season down here. So that season obviously was was important. And again, I already mentioned the rat trick. Um, when you think back in, in all the lore of, of Florida Panthers since their inception into the league in 1993, you know, the Blues, their biggest moment is uh, the Monday Night Miracle in 1986. It was a game where they they came back against the Calgary Flames in Game Six, and and uh, forced a Game Seven in overtime uh, when they were down by a couple goals. And it's funny because they ended up losing that series, but that is yeah. still the yeah. I that remember. Is the, that. I, I'm yeah, sure I saw that game too. That is the memorable moment in Blues history that the people point to. So uh, you think about that as the number one Blues moment, but for the Panthers, is it the rat trick or is there something else that stands out? Now the the rat trick is definitely is definitely up there, but probably some of the playoff wins and and there's the one game where they 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 beat Boston. I'm pretty sure it was the elimination game, and I was actually at that game where you know Bill Lindsay scored that goal where he's falling to the ice and he he swats it in there. Like that's a pretty big moment in Panther history, and it's still a highlight that gets shown all the time. Um, so. Yeah, that that whole that whole run is is pretty much the in that whole season actually is pretty much the peak of of Panthers hockey in South Florida. So, talking about the peak of Panthers hockey at that time, your captain Scott Mellonby, somebody we've already mentioned a little bit on the show, um he gets traded to the St. Louis Blues. Now, I remember that season very well, 2000-2001. Uh Mellonby was a guy like Keith Kachuk who was also later acquired by the Blues that year. Uh, that kind of was rumored to uh, possibly be traded, probably be traded um, that whole year. And it was kind of one of those lame duck situations where you've got your captain, you know he's probably going to be traded at some point that year, 
you're hoping maybe they can retain him, but you know, all all word out is that he's gone. Um, what was that like for you guys as 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 fans of the Panthers to witness your captain, the rat trick master, the guy who'd been kind of the face of the franchise for that long, to kind of sit around and wait for a trade all year of a guy you might not wanted to be moved. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of those guys that were, you know, those guys from the early years, it, it was tough for fans to to see those guys go. But I think at that point, I think Mellonby's numbers that particular season were down a lot. So I don't think it was was that surprising. I mean, he was still, I mean, except for that, that particular season before he got traded, I think he was struggling a lot offensively. But I think the season or two before his numbers weren't quite what they were, you know, the first three or four years of the Panthers. So it it wasn't totally unexpected, but but I know I know a lot of fans back then were were really sad to see him go and and guys like Scrudlin and in that that inaugural bunch of of Panthers that came from the expansion draft in the early years. So Melody played over 550 games with the uh, with the Panthers organization in the regular season. He goes to St. Louis, a team that uh, was was destined, it seemed, to to go far in the playoffs. Nobody knew if Mellonby was going to stick around after that. He ended up sticking around St. Louis for a while. But that run where they go to the third round, lose the Colorado Avalanche, um, would you say you were rooting for the Blues at that point, or did you really care at that point? No, actually, actually, you know when when the you know when the Panthers aren't in it, the Blues are actually one of the teams that I'll root for if they're in the playoffs because I tend to I, I tend to root for you know if the Panthers aren't it, or to a lesser extent nowadays. When I was younger, I was still the Oilers were still kind of my, you know, my second team. But nowadays, I tend to root for teams that haven't won the Stanley Cup to win it. You know, so if the Blues are in it, you know, there's they'll be one of the teams that I root for. It's it's funny to hear you say that because uh, I've I've done five or six of these now, and every single episode I've heard that, and it's it's almost like a charity case, like. Well, you know, you've been around since '67, and you still can't win a cup. So I'm going to root for you. It's—I mean, I appreciate it. Trust me, it's—it's—it's it's, it's awesome to hear people say that. But at the same time, it's like, how can you be around so long and not have won a cup? <laughs> yeah, it's—it's it's tough, but you—you uh, you learn to live with it as a Blues fan. Um, so, so another big trade between the two teams that I wanted to mention, and. Uh, some people might roll their eyes here, but it's it's uh, it's worth mentioning in my point, in my opinion. Uh, the Blues in 2003, that was another year that I think that team thought they were going to go places. You talk to guys like Doug Waite, um, Chris Osgood, uh, Keith Kachuk. They say that 2003 team was the team that was destined to do it. Uh, they acquired Valerie Bore on their uh, on their run that that year. Uh, traded away Mike Van Ryan, who's now the assistant or the uh, defensive coach for the St. Louis Blues, uh, to bring in Valerie Bore. Um, the big thing that, that I remember uh, people talking about Hollywood coming to St. Louis because Candace Cameron Bure was uh, was was going to come to St. Louis with Valerie. Uh, he was very underwhelming here. Um, I, I don't remember his exact stats, but uh, really nothing to to write home about. And you know, obviously his name comes with recognition because of his brother, Pavel, who you saw play a lot as well. Um, What was, what was your take on Valerie Bore on his time with the Florida Panthers? 
I actually was, I actually looked back at his time a little bit because it, it had been so long. And I was actually surprised to see, I had forgot this, that he, after they traded him to the Blues, he, he came back to the Panthers. And when he came back, he actually had a pretty good season. I think he scored 20 goals that year. And then, um, then they traded him somewhere else um, because they weren't making the playoffs. So they shipped him off at the deadline. But prior to that, He's kind of underwhelming while he was here. Probably the same way you feel about him with St. Louis. You know, he had some talent, but I think he had some injury problems when he was here. And, uh, you know, I I think he was just here. You know, they brought him in because his brother was here and he just was, you know, he was just kind of another guy while he was here. But I I forgot the Blues waved him and the Panthers claimed him. And then he came back and he had a pretty solid season when he came back. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking at his stats now. Uh, five games played in the regular season for the Blues. Uh, zero goals, two assists. Playoffs, six games played, zero goals, two assists. So uh, very underwhelming. I remember people thinking that uh, the Blues finally got a, a top six winger to go along with the Kachuk, Melanby, Demetra line, possibly put him on the, on the wing with weight. Just did not work out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, looking at the stats here, he had some good years in Calgary, 35 goals, 26 goals, 27 goals. And then, like you said, uh, he comes back to Florida the next year, 20 goals, 45 points, and then uh, goes to Dallas to finish his career, at least NHL career. Did not have a good year there. But, no, good for Valerie Bory. I mean, I can look back now and, and smile, but I'm sure at the time I was thinking, man, what? who is this guy? Come on, get get the puck in the net. Yeah, but it, it, I'd, I'd say it was probably more disappointing for us because, you know, we got him from the Flames where he, you know, was, was putting up good, you know, good numbers with Calgary. And then, like, looking back at it, you know, he came here, he had eight goals one year, and, and then the year that he got traded to the Blues, he had five. So, I mean, 13 goals in 77 games before the trade, you know, and then he came back and got 20. So he kind of redeemed himself, you know, the, the second time around here. But... Yeah, I see that he did absolutely nothing as a blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I actually was asked to to talk to you about a certain player currently on the Blues roster, and he will be by the time this airs as well, uh, Jay Bomeister. So the year he gets drafted, um, he uh, he's drafted the same year as Rick Nash. I believe Rick Nash went number one and Bomeister went number two. Is that correct? Something like that. I mean, he definitely went real high. Um, so what was your take on Jay Bomeister? He steps into the NHL, you know, peep, the, the, the tape on him, which is still the case, not a physical guy, right. but can control the puck, can skate the puck, can shoot the puck. Um, was he well-received in Florida? Um, he, was a, he was a good player, especially, you know, especially earlier in his career. And he's still a good player now, but he, you know, he was pretty good in the early days. But... You could just tell there's some like he didn't like being here, and it, and and it it was apparent, you know. So there, I don't, and he, um, he just I don't think he ever really connected with the fans down here, and um, you could just see like he was just biding his time down here and and wanted to be anywhere but here. It seemed, you know. So you know, I, I think he was pretty happy to get traded out of here. Um, but he was good, and like you know, like you said, he was a real good skater. You know, he put he put up some good numbers um, while he was here. But yeah, not not a physical player at all. 
yeah, still is not. Um, he definitely knows how to play the position well, but yeah, it's, uh, the physicality has never been a part of his game. That's why I always laugh when people are, oh, Jay, you got to lay a hit on that guy. How long have you been watching Jay Bomeister play? Come on. Yeah, it's kind of like we have, we have Keith Yandel now, you know, like the guy, you know, the guy won't hit anybody. He shies away from contact, but, you know, that's just his game. People get mad at him, at, you know, after every game, like, oh, he didn't hit this guy. Like, he didn't rub this guy out against the boards. He's just not going to do it, you know. Yep. That's, that's just not his game. Not his you know, game. I hear you. He wants to play on the power play and put up points, and, and you know, basically that's it. So uh, another note that you had mentioned that you definitely wanted to talk about tonight, and, and Blues fans, I don't know if they're going to remember this or not. I actually did when you brought it up. Uh, February 20th, 2017, uh, this was during the Yager years in Florida. Um, so uh, the latest goal the Panthers have ever scored in regulation to win was against the St. Louis Blues. I think that is still the case to this point, um, as far as I know. Uh, but uh, this was definitely a uh, a game where it was going to overtime. It was 1-1, and then Vincent Trocek uh, scores very late with 4.6 seconds left in that game. Um, this was in St. Louis. Um, how exciting was that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't exciting for Blues fans, but for you, I'm sure it was. Yeah, that was great. You know, it was a you know kind of a seeing eye shot from far out, and he just kind of slapped it in, and you know that. That, that was kind of the peak of that particular season because I, I think the Panthers were on a winning streak then and they continued it with that late goal. And that, that was the season they fired um, they fired Gallant. It was a year after they made the playoffs and lost to the Islanders and they kind of, you know, shuffled things around and, and kicked Dale Talon upstairs, you know, even more. And, and uh, Tom Rowe kind of took over the team and then they fired Gallant and Rowe was coaching and things were kind of – iffy at the start of the season but they turned it around I think they were on a winning streak and that was the last game of the winning streak and then they came home and promptly lost to Edmonton Calgary and Ottawa and kind of took a dump the rest of the season and did not make the playoffs <laughs> so that so was I, that was like the last shining moment of, of that particular season that late goal by Trocek that's a shame yeah I know I, I'm looking at the stats here Jonathan Marcheseau scores a goal I'm sure that was that's yeah. looking back at that makes you probably cringe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he scored the first one. I re- I remember that game well. Yep, and uh, and then somebody who I I remember again. I I looked up the stats and I started kind of remembering the game a little bit. Um, Blues fans are gonna love that I mentioned Yori Laterra um, had a really good chance on James Reimer, and uh, you know he looked good. And I think at that point, Sabres fans were still expecting James Reimer to to be the guy after Luongo either retires or maybe steps back and accepts a backup role. Um, not so much the case anymore, is it? No, no. Everybody, everybody's looking for Reimer to be traded or bought out this off season. He, he's had some, he's had some good moments here. I, I think, I think some people are a little hard on him, um, but he's just not consistent. You know, he has little runs where he looks really good. And then, you know, he has games where he just gives up two or three goals, not maybe one or two goals where you're just like, how did that go in? You know, how did you let that in? You know, but, you know, over overall, I think he's been pretty good while he's here, but he's never been, um, you know, good enough where you're like, this is the number one guy, you know, this is the future after Luongo. So that just that just kind of never happened. So there's um, 
uh, uh, for for people who are listening to this, we are recording this on April 16th. So um, this may be airing after free agency. So maybe the Panthers have uh, bolstered their lineup a bit, but we do know at this point, one person that they have bolstered their lineup with is behind the bench. Uh, Joel Quinville, a beloved figure here in St. Louis, even though he was a uh, Chicago Blackhawks head coach. Um, that was a guy the Blues really wanted after Mike Yo was let go. Uh, people were, were really clamoring for, for Quinville to come back and to win a cup here in St. Louis. He opts to go uh, where Dale Talon is now with uh, the Florida Panthers, um, who, for those who don't know, is the architect, a lot of the architect behind the Chicago Blackhawks cup winning teams the last couple of years. Uh, so Joel Quinville, the mustache man, has signed with the Florida Panthers big moment i'm sure for your organization and and what was uh what was the reaction i, I know that 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 uh, the panthers kind of take the a back seat to the dolphins and the heat um was there a lot of talk around town when quinville came in yeah i think i think that kind of moved the needle a little bit because he, even for like the casual hockey fan um down here they they know who he is and they they know what he's accomplished so everybody's pretty excited about it and um that's that's one thing the Panthers have probably needed for a while and not to, you know, not to take shots at some of the other coaches that were here, uh, especially Galan, who I I'm still kind of pissed off that they fired. I thought I thought they, you know, I thought that was a really bad move and, um, you know, still still a little ticked off about that. He was a really good coach. But but prior to that, you know, the, the Panthers have been kind of a testing ground for young inexperienced coaches. And, and when you have a you know, a young team that doesn't have any playoff experience and not a lot of veteran leadership. I just don't think that's a good combination, you know, to have a first time NHL coach, you know, like Bob Bugner was, you know, with a team that's, that's got a lot of young guys and, and most of the guys have little to no playoff experience. I just don't think it's a good combination, you know, so they, they've kind of eaten young coaches alive. And then you see, you know, like Galan has gone to Vegas and been very successful and, and Peter DeBoer's, you know, been to the finals twice with New Jersey and San Jose. So, you know, he was here, at, you know, for for a few years. And, you know, and and that could happen with Bugner, too. He could go somewhere else and, and, and become successful. Although I was not I was not a fan of his while he was here. But, you know, it's his first time. And he'll learn he'll learn from his mistakes and he'll probably go somewhere else and, and be fine. You know, but the Panthers needed an experienced guy that you know, that's going to demand respect from these players and, 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 you know, take them to a new level. Something else that I had a listener ask me to make sure to mention to you is um, they wanted to know how Troy Brower looked this year in a Panthers uniform. Pretty good, actually. You know, he, he did pretty well. You know, he I don't think he played. He definitely didn't play every game. Maybe he got in 60 or so. But, you know, I, I think he I think he ended up with 12 goals or something like that. And, and he was effective in his role, you know, a, a little a little surprising, you know, and a, and a lot of people, you know, among the among the litter box cats, you know, kind of community want are, are hoping he comes back. Yeah, no, I was we were a big fan here in St. Louis. He scored a big goal in game seven against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks and had one of my favorite quotes of all time as well. I mean, I'm sure you've heard some of the quips that he's had. Um, he, uh, he almost didn't score the goal. He had a wide open net and kind of whiffed on the puck on his first chance. And he said, if I don't score that goal, I might as well retire. So I, I, uh, I always appreciated his humor and candor at that. 
That's pretty funny. Uh, good stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to look like a genius. Again, mark the tape. April 16th, it is 5.33 right now, Central Time. Sergey Bobrovsky or Timmy Panarin, are they going to be Florida Panthers? I'm going to say yes. Wow. There's been a, there's been a lot of smoke, so I, I think there's definitely going to be some fire to this. I, th- I think um, I think more so Bobrovsky and maybe Panarin, but I kind of feel like they're both going to end up here. Wow, that would be one heck of an offseason for the Florida Panthers yeah, really, to get yeah. the second winningest coach in history and then two of the best players in the league. Yeah, that's 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 what needs to happen down here. We definitely need um, we definitely need to uh, get things turned around and start making the playoffs on a consistent basis. Awesome. Well, Todd, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this again. I know that when we were kind of planning this conversation, we were both kind of oh man, what what are we going to talk about? I think we have found enough. I think that our fan, the fans of the show, are going to enjoy uh, hearing it. And um, I know that anyone who's picked us up from the litter box cats, I appreciate you guys listening, but Todd, before I let you go, I want to go ahead and uh, give you the opportunity to tell my listeners where they can find you find your work and how they can interact with you on social media. All right. Well, the site is www.litterboxcats.com. Um, the Twitter is at litterboxcats and there's also a litterbox um, Facebook page. And then my personal Twitter is um, at Todd little eight, two, seven. Awesome. And definitely follow Todd as uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky lead the Panthers back into the playoffs. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Todd. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, no problem. Well, I again, want to thank Todd for coming on. Uh, Twitter handles for the show. The show Twitter can be found at LGB Radio. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And you can find me, Jeff Ponder, at jponder94. The next show will be Thursday, August 29th. I welcome in the gentleman from the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And we talk the short history of the Blues and the Golden Knights. But uh, still a good conversation. Still had a lot of fun. And uh, this one was recorded actually right after the Blues won the Cup. So I was still kind of on a high at that point. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good talk. And look forward to getting that one out to you on Thursday. Well, that will conclude this episode. Thanks to everybody for listening. And until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Play Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.